Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is early morning here in Stark Vegas. I am still suffering with insomnia. So I thought I would go ahead and get something productive done. As a matter of fact, I've done a lot of productive things this morning already. I already read a couple articles. One's already up on Gene's page right now about the 2022 uh, contact that began on September 1st. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, you can't legally contact prospects until September 1st, at least not electronically. Now, you can have some conversations and you can talk to coaches and that sort of stuff, but um, basically everything prior to September 1st of their junior year, uh, you know, prospects have to kind of uh, – be responsible for that contact. I mean, they can call coaches at their own discretion, but coaches can't call them back or text them or even uh, direct message them. And so now that's – we're going to get into that a little bit later in the show, but that's an important part of things. That all happened yesterday. So you probably saw a lot of new names on Twitter, people getting retweeted and things like that, and may not be sure of what had taken place, but that's really the deal uh, there. But uh, also, too, had an interview with Jaden Crumbity. I'm going to talk a little more about that later in the show uh, that'll be up today, I guess, around 11 o'clock. And uh, we've got a full day over at jeanspage.com. If you haven't subscribed to Jeans Page, you, you darn well should. Uh, we'd love to be able to interact with you and answer your questions directly over on our message board. It gives you full access to our experts in all sports. And uh, Mike Nemeth done a great job for us and a great addition uh, to our team. Wrote a great story earlier this week about where do we go from here, and he was just really kind of you know, in a polite way, kind of pointing out the hypocrisy of the fact that there are high school football programs around the country that are playing while some colleges are still trying to figure this thing out. And um, it's just rather interesting. With all the resources available today for these college athletes, there's just not a lot of good reasons not to play. Uh, but uh, when you contrast that against the backdrop of the fact that you've got high school programs around the country playing, who have limited resources and don't have the ability to test. And a lot of times it just boils down to taking somebody's temperature. I had my temperature taken uh, yesterday. Happy to report that cooler than you guys around 97. Uh, That's kind of how it runs for me. But it is a different day and age. Went to go get some some new ink work done, some work on the Motley Crue leg sleeve. And uh, before I got to go in the door, I had to get my – had to have a mask on. I had to wear that the entire time that we were getting worked on. And then – had my temperature taken with one of those little uh, forehead things. You know, they put it up against your, your forehead and take your temperature. And and then mandatory that you have to use uh, hand sanitizer as you come into the place. So it is a different day and time. But one of the things that I want to say, too, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of people that weren't washing their hands to begin with, you know, before we even had a global pandemic. And so even if once this thing is uh, hopefully somewhat resolved or contained, We can continue the hand washing and we can continue uh, the hand sanitizing. You know, maybe the mask will become a thing of the past, but, uh, you know, good hygiene is good for everybody. It doesn't just help uh, prevent the spread of coronavirus or influenza or anything else. It's just the right thing to do. And it seems like a very basic tenet of our society to have to explain how you need to wash your hands. Uh, As a guy that's raised four kids, it seems like I've constantly said that for the last 25 years. But uh, there's some adults out there that I think there's been a nice reminder here. There's nobody around to tell you to wash your hands. But maybe this will uh, will kind of put us on the right track in that respect. You should always wash your hands before you eat. 
And so when you go to Bulldog Burger Company, you step back to that restroom, you, you wash and dry those hands, get you some hand sanitizer, and you sit down and cross from a great restaurant-quality hamburger. It's a wonderful experience. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. I encourage you, as always, have the spring rolls. They will make you and everyone around you better looking, and we all need more of that. I think that's an important part of things. You know, make the world a more beautiful place by having the spring rolls because it'll improve your outlook and improve your looks. That's guaranteed. Uh, but also, too, find your own favorite hamburgers while you're there. If you're just looking for a great American hamburger, get the Bulldog. You can't go wrong with the Bulldog. On good day, bad day, sad day, celebration day, whatever, you get the Bulldog, it'll improve the quality of your day. But if you're like me and you like to walk on the wild side just a bit, let me encourage you, get the Pimentology Add Bacon, get the Smokehouse, uh, you know, there's just a lot of different options to choose from there. The Lauren, the Bryant, they're all great. You just can't go wrong with any of your selections of Bulldog Burger Company. And you know what? You say, hey, Steve, I don't want to eat quite that heavy. I'm trying to watch the waistline a little bit. You know what? You can get your hamburger on a gluten-free bun. You can get it on no bun. Get it on a bed of lettuce. You can get it how you like it. Or you can get one of those salads. And I've told you guys before, I've never finished one of those salads in its entirety. Just haven't. It is that substantial. And, you know, there's a lot of places you go when you order a salad and then you leave hungry. That's not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. Go by and check them out. Again, two locations, Starkville and Tupelo, the people, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's get into some football news. Uh, as you guys are now aware by now, we've got a good idea of when, what time, five of these Bulldog football games are going to be played. So let's run down what we know right here together. All right, so here are the five games that we have a good idea of what time they're going to be played. Uh, September 26th, that's the season opener. That's on the road at LSU. That is the CBS game, 2.30. Listen, you know, we we, kind of joke about it some on Twitter. You know, me and some of my friends kind of, you know, are a little bit silly about it, I guess, at times. But this is a no-brainer for the SEC and for, for CBS. You've got Mike Leach making his SEC debut against the defending national champions on the road at Tiger Stadium. That, that, that's going to attract a lot of eyeballs. There are some people that have suggested, well, the Auburn-Kentucky game may be better. You know what it might be? But that's a snoozer of a game. I mean, really. How many of you are excited to see Kentucky play? I mean, you're not. I think Auburn's going to beat them. I, I don't get the Kentucky hype. I said that before. I don't understand – uh, what's happened here? But the last few years, everybody's like, oh, Kentucky's this, Kentucky's that. Kentucky's had one really good year. Kentucky's a good program. We're not an elite program. That's not a game. Kentucky's going to struggle to get 500. I've said that before. And we are too. But uh, the bottom line is nobody's got their hype in Mississippi State. And then people say, well, Tennessee, South Carolina game. No, no, nobody cares about that game. I don't even think people in South Carolina care about that game. I think those people are probably thinking, you know what? Man, this mulligan year might mean we have to keep Muschamp around for another year. There's probably not a coach in the conference, save maybe Derek Mason, that is on a bigger hot seat than Will Muschamp. Not to mention, I think Tennessee is just, you know, to a, to a man is more talented across the board than South Carolina. I think we all know this. I just don't think it's going to be an entertaining ball game. I think Tennessee is going to beat South Carolina pretty good. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but uh, I don't just don't think there's a lot of national interest in either one of those games. But you bring in Mike Leach, arguably the best hire of the college football offseason. You finally get that guy to the SEC. The SEC, it's in it's in their best interest to have Mike Leach on television. 
there will be national interest in that game because of who is coaching and who is playing. That's not to say Mississippi State's expected to be a great team this year, but that is a made-for-TV type game. That is one of those games you look at and say, wow, this is one we want to cover. And there will be millions of people to watch that game that are probably not necessarily Mississippi State fans. And so it is a no-brainer of a decision, if you ask me, and I think the people that are being critical of the decision are are just really, really being homers or being completely ignorant. All right, game number two that's been announced. Now, Robbie Falk, our colleague, has heard privately that week two – oh, I guess it's announced now. Thank you. Yeah, there we go, October 3rd, that our Arkansas game is 6.30. So home opener for Mississippi State in Starkville, night football. I love night football, Uh, except maybe in late November. Uh, but be that as it may, so October 3rd, Arkansas comes here, and that's listed currently at the 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network alternate channel. And many of you, when you hear the phrase alternate channel, you start panicking and say, I don't get that. Well, you, you do get it, and if for some reason you haven't in the past, let me encourage you to contact your TV provider now, because for years we could not get DirecTV to carry the SEC alternate. Finally got that handled. Enough people complained, and we got that corrected. So you can get the SEC alternate channel, channel I believe, which I believe is 612 on DirecTV. But worst-case scenario, you can get it on the app. And I know you hate watching on your phone, so you need to go ahead and familiarize yourself with how to mirror your phone or get a Roku stick or uh, something like that to be able to broadcast the game to your television. But it will be available. It will be a broadcast. But uh, if you're one of the lucky ones to get tickets, we expect you to be in Starkville. Game number three that it's been announced televised-wise. October 17th, Texas A&M. The only thing we know for sure is it's going to be an afternoon game. Could be 11, could be 2.30 with CBS, could be 3 p.m. on the SEC Network. But it will be afternoon football in Starkville against Texas A&M. October 31st, Halloween. We'll spend Halloween night in Tuscaloosa. I will spare you all the Halloween puns. Uh, but that'll be an interesting ball game. We'll have a chance to go over there and check those guys out. We have not had a good time in Tuscaloosa in a long time, dating back to the Sylvester Croom days. We just have not been competitive. Uh, there has been a very wide uh, gap when it comes to talent between us and them. Hopefully that'll change. And then finally, November 7th, Vanderbilt, that is already locked in. It's a 3 p.m. game on the SEC Network. So that's your five. Again, recapping, LSU, 2.30 on CBS, Arkansas, 6.30 on the SEC Network alternate channel, A&M, that's an afternoon game, time to be determined, Alabama, Halloween night at 6 p.m., and then Vanderbilt, 3 p.m. on the SEC Network. All right, so that leaves us five games that we're not totally sure what time they're going to be played. We know what day they're going to be played, but we're not sure yet of the time. That's going to be the Kentucky game. Uh, obviously, that's a, that's a road game at Lexington. I suspect it'll be a night game. That's just me. That's just, that's just speculation, but I suspect it'll be a night game. Uh, and then we have uh, Auburn here on November 14th. We go to Georgia on the 21st. And then, of course, uh, Ole Miss, Missouri to close out the schedule. And so, basically, uh, the last month of the schedule, we're still figuring that out. Still figuring that out. So the first five of the first six games, you know what time we're going to play, are pretty close to the point, and then we'll kind of figure out the month of November once we uh, get a little closer. Genuinely, these things come out about two weeks prior. You know, uh, I suspect that we will see the SEC and their television partners probably stick to that schedule. 
because there, there's no reason to change it, to be honest with you. But uh, there's always that CBS uh, exemption, I guess is what it is, where they have the, the right of first refusal. They get to pick the game. They have the option to delay that decision uh, to kind of see how things go one weekend or another before they set the matchups and f- before they uh, pick their broadcasting site. So that's where we are with all that. So, again, it's one more step closer to a season. This week has been awfully interesting for the Corona Bros, and uh, I think you guys are well aware who I'm talking about, some of those people in the national media. You know, we played a college football game on Saturday, going to play one tomorrow night too, so they're missing going to play. And so there were so many people that said we would not play college football. We did play college football, and then Central Arkansas announces yesterday that not only did they win the game, they emerged from the game with no new COVID cases on the football team. So we play the game that nobody expects us to play, and then magically nobody gets sick. So what that tells me is that the protocols that are in place were working. That was one of the things a lot of people, I saw a few people on social media and even a couple people on our message boards were all upset about the post-game handshake. Guys, I hate to say it like this, but um, you're probably just as likely to get it from somebody by tackling them or blocking them than you would be by slapping hands after a ball game. I mean, sometimes we've just gotten so absurdly silly with all this. I mean, think about what we're talking about here. We're talking about guys that have gotten out there and pushed and shoved and grabbed and tackled and lined up across from each other and breathed in each other's faces, and then we don't want them to shake hands after a ball game. I, I know there are people. I know there were many people clutching their pearls uh, as they saw that. But then Central Arkansas again comes out and says, "You know what? We got through this thing unscathed. We got the W." And then college football gets an even bigger win because they get through the game without getting sick. And it's one of those things we've talked about on the show many times. You know, you're more likely to catch it in life, in day-to-day activity, than you would be playing against and practicing with guys that are tested two and three times a week. That's not to say it's not impossible to get it, but the chances of you interacting with one of those people is pretty slim once you get onto the fields of play. Now, you're going to have some incidences where you have uh, some schools like Auburn have had several cases, and they've had to quarantine a lot of players. We uh, saw yesterday, I guess it was uh, David Johnson had an article up on uh, Ole Miss Spirit that uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss have had to deal with some of that. And Lane Kiffin said, you know, you just never know from one day to the next who's going to be here. So that's going to happen. But once you put a team on the field, once you've gone through all the safety protocols, once you've gone through your three tests a week during competition week, there should be a reasonable comfort level to say, you know what, we're not going to be competing against players that are potentially infected. And so I don't think that's where your infections are going to come from. Now, of course, those people that are, that are kind of out there, uh, the, the whole, oh, woe is me, let me break on the green light type people, uh, those folks will tell you, anytime there's any college numbers out there, they always say, oh, well, you know, this is why we can't have college football. But the college football players are probably the safest people on the campus. you got a lot of general students that are out there going to parties and that sort of stuff. And uh, I read recently on Facebook just this morning, that uh, somebody that works in the medical profession said, that, yeah, I've, I've been, to, been to dinner recently and uh, seen people that are supposed to be in quarantine. You know, they're just, they're just across the way from us over there. 
And those are the things that I think about. Th those are the reasons that, that this thing is, hasn't been more curtailed, is that the people that are infected sometimes just don't do what they're asked to do. And I'll give you guys a little bit of an example here. So my daughter, I think I told you guys before, my oldest daughter tested positive for COVID uh, back in July. <clears throat> had, thankfully, very, very limited symptoms. I think she had a headache for like one day, and I think that was because she was jet lagged because, of course, uh, she had to take a trip to California. I say had to with, with as much sarcasm as I possibly can. Uh, but be that as it may, you know, she tests and uh, then comes home. And so I'm the one that picked her up from the airport. And so I had the whole David Johnson thing. You know, I was with Dave Johnson for a couple of days, and that's back before we really knew anything about COVID. We were still calling it the Rona back then. But so I'm in, you know, I'm in a car you know, for a couple of hours with somebody who has COVID. And so nobody had to tell me, you know, you probably need to stay home for a couple of weeks. I just did it. I just stayed home. I didn't go to the store. I didn't run to, uh, to the fast break and go get a drink. A lot of people do it. I kind of stayed up here in my office. Matter of fact, up here in my office, I got, uh, I got some furniture and got a bed and all that kind of stuff. So I got some quarantine quarters if I need, need them. But I just didn't interact with anybody outside of my family. The, the same people that I was around all the time, I stayed with them. And listen, I get how frustrating that is because by day 10, I'm thinking, this is awful. I, I've got to get out of this house. So I get out and go walk around the property. I don't have a neighbor for a, you know, a ways. I'm not gonna, by going outside, I'm not going to infect anybody. But I don't understand it that, uh, you know, hey, well, I was with somebody that has it or somebody in my family has it, so I'm going to. I'm going to continue to do what I always have done. It's just a little bit absurd. I mean, it is. And listen, I know there's a lot of debate about the severity of all this, and that's cool. But um, you know, one of the things about living in a, in a society is that we kind of look out for each other. You know, I was in Walmart just yesterday, and uh, there was a young guy in front of me, and, and uh, brought two buggies full of groceries through the express lane, and nobody said anything. And, of course, he didn't have his mask on. Had it on to get in the building, didn't have it on up there. And... Um, when the transaction was over, and of course none of the employees said anything, and and to be honest with you, you, know, you see these videos on uh, Twitter all the time where somebody's getting kicked out of a Walmart. That just doesn't happen here. But uh, when when the interaction was over, this lady walks up to him that he knows and says, "Hey, put your mask on," and, and he said, "Oh, they're not going to say anything." And I think to myself, that that's the problem right there. It's not college football players. It's not the guys that are being tested and under the supervision of medical professionals. It's that guy right there. It's that guy with the attitude. Well, they're not going to say anything. It's got nothing to do with what we say, bro. It's about doing the right thing. If you got to wear it to get in the building, you got to wear it in the building. Now, I'm not going to get on some rant, too. I get a little tickled sometimes. I go in some businesses and the people and the employees have their mask off. And I think if I have to wear one to enter your establishment, then you should wear one in my presence the entire time that I'm here. And that's the thing you look at sometimes and you begin to think, okay, maybe we don't know as much about this as we think we do. But I do know this, that uh, Governor Tate Reeves has announced that he is going to allow high school football games to increase the uh, attendance from two spectators per participant to 25% of normal capacity. And that's because of the fact that the state of Mississippi's numbers are trending down uh, in a very positive manner. And it's so interesting, too, that nobody even mentions hospitalizations anymore. We're, let's look, we're, we're just back on infections now. 
used to it was infections and then they told us oh you got to watch the hospitalizations and the ventilators well now those numbers are coming down we want to get back on the other um you know i'm, I'm not going to waste a lot of time on that but um yeah, but the bottom line is this is that we played a game everybody survived and then they go back to school and go to campus and they uh they didn't bring anything back with them they shouldn't have and i think that's really cool and i think it's one of those things that we can all be excited about Today's top 10 list is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped's got a good thing going. And uh, there are a lot of people out there that say, you know, I would never do that. Well, let me tell you, the, uh, the intimate partner or partners, in some cases, in your life uh, will probably disagree. They would like you to do a little male grooming, guys. And so I'm, let me say it to you on their behalf. You need to find a way to take care of yourself to improve the experience for everybody involved. It's as simple as that. I don't know how, how else I can say it. It's just one of those things you look at it and it is the responsible thing to do. I understand that it is a little awkward when you first get going. I have been there. I get it. But you don't listen. You don't need to use a straight razor and you don't need to use the same trimmer you use on your face uh, to put in your more intimate areas. I mean, it's just gross. You don't want to do that. That's how Manscaped has redesigned their electric trimmer. Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. I had a listener reach out to me and say, Steve, this thing works extremely well. I remember that you uh, had them on the show a while back. I took advantage of that offer. And he goes, as an older guy, I probably got a little more slack in the sack. And so I can tell you this product works. So for you older guys that are thinking this is not for me, wrong. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered exclusively by Manscaped and for their users. When I tell you this is premium, it's absolutely premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. It's waterproof. You can shave in the shower. That might be the way to go. It's even got a cool LED light to kind of light it up so you can see what you're getting after there. They've upgraded their motor to 7,000 RPMs with, quote, quote, quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about that charging stand. It kind of makes a statement of its own, doesn't it? You know, your, your, your lady friend walks into the restroom to use the facilities, and all of a sudden she sees, hey, this guy's got a manscaped trimmer up here. This guy's serious. Might help your batting average a little bit. So if you're listening to me right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Go ahead and trim your intimate areas. And get 20% off and free shipping by using promo code BONEYARD at manscaped.com. That's BONEYARD at manscaped.com. Your balls and those who handle them will thank you. All right, today's top 10 list is, uh, I forget the name, and I, I looked this morning because I had time because I've been up for hours. I forget the name, but somebody said, hey, Steve. Why not a top 10 Billy Joel thing? Okay, I said, hey, why not? If, if you love American music, you got to love Billy Joel. And so there, I have had so many requests. You know, I've had to bang some of them. I, and sadly, somebody said, Steve, hey, could you give me a top 10 on Meatloaf? And I can't. Uh, I, I can't. I, and I'll tell you why. Number one, I'm not a huge Meatloaf fan. And so I even went through and listened to Meatloaf for a while and think you kind of – kind of get back in the game a little bit you know bat out of hell was great and uh, i would do anything for love is great paradise by the dashboard light is pretty good I, I think my favorite meatloaf song is two out of three ain't bad i think that is a really cool song 
but to me, the catalog is uh, it's all very similar. And I know there's some people thinking, oh, my gosh, Steve, it's sacrilege. I can't put together 10 songs with a straight face and say these are the best 10 meatloaf songs because I can't even come up with five that I really like. And so, again, thanks for the suggestion, but I'm not going to use it. But we are going to do Billy Joel. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of honorable mentions this time. I'm going to run these down for you pretty quick here. I'm not, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time giving you the history behind all this stuff. I'm just going to tell you which songs that I like, and you can go do it yourself. And, I, and another cool thing, too, I mentioned about uh, how much you guys, once you give me a list, I kind of get into that artist for a couple days, and you kind of reintroduce yourself to the catalog. That is beautiful, man. I, that has been, I have had so much fun with that. I listened to Boston for basically two days, and, uh, man, I tell you, I, I dig it so much. All right, so here we go. Billy Joel. I don't know how much Billy Joel I'll listen to today. You never know. But I listened to a bunch this morning before we did the show. So here are the honorable mentions. She's Got Away. Wonderful. I think the live version is the best. She's Always a Woman to Me. Beautiful love song from my childhood. My Life, a cool one. Just the Way You Are, one of the most beautiful love songs ever written. I Love You, Just the Way You Are. Don't go changing to try to please me. Those, I, I, I got, and ladies, let me tell you this. I think I speak for just about all men, just about. There are a few guys out there that are somewhat controlling and that sort of stuff, and you know they want to want their uh you know wives or girlfriends to run you know decorating decisions and you know personal health care decisions by them how long do you want your hair cut that sort of stuff uh but i think i speak for most of us is we're, we're all just so lucky to have you in our lives to have somebody to love us and put up with us and that sort of stuff you just you know don't think you got to do anything special that's that, that's how i am i can assure you i'm just grateful that somebody uh can like me for me we didn't start the fire i know people are saying steve you're kidding me it didn't make top 10 no nah, it didn't mean i think it's overplayed and plus it says old miss in it so that it kind of disqualifies it from any lists i'm going to put together don't ask me why that's a great tune kind of an underappreciated classic and then keeping the faith that i'm not a real big doo-wop joel fan but uh, keeping the faith pretty cool song all right so here are my top 10 songs uh number 10 is allentown that is such a cool song it's about Allentown, Pennsylvania. That's a true story. You can go look up, Google the story. I think it's probably on Wikipedia, too. You can see the, the kind of the story behind the song, which makes it even more beautiful. You also, too, for those of you that watched The Hangover 2, you know that Stu uh, kind of repurposed that song as a criticism of, uh, of Alan when they were uh, out there in, uh, in Asia. I guess it was Bangkok. And... Uh, we're living here in Allentown. It's great. Go check. That, that's another cool thing. Hang, the Hangover series are great. Number nine for me is Pressure. Like that one, up-tempo. Like the keys on it. A little different. That's the thing about Billy Joe. A lot of range with him. You know, he can do that, you know, just a straight piano ballad. Or he can, he can do things a little, a little more of an edge. More of a top 40 edge. Not a headbanger's ball edge like I like. But uh, number seven, Big Shot. And that's one of the more aggressive songs in the catalog. Number six, I I probably could have put this one higher because I love it. It's You May Be Right, and I may be crazy, but I just may be the fool you're looking for. You know, a lot of relationship songs, but that's a that's a great one. Number five, one of the most classic Billy Joel songs is Piano Man. It's one, That's a great song you can put on. I think i got to be in the mood for Billy Joel, but that's one I can probably always listen to. Number four... And there have been some times in my life this might have been number one. 
It's moving out. Anthony song. That is uh, that is another one of those aggressive ones. A good story behind it. Um, it's one. This is one of those things too, where it makes me want to be from New York. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those songs you listen to. It's it's. Billy Joel is one of those guys that almost has a regional as well as a national appeal, but uh, really dig that song a lot. Number three, uh, Uptown Girl. This is one of those songs that uh, gives hope to all of us mediocre-looking guys that we could someday uh, convince some beautiful woman to marry us, even for an abbreviated time. But Uptown Girl's a cool song, and it is more of a doo-wop, Joel, but uh, it's a classic. It's an absolute classic. Christy Brinkley's in the video. Chrissy Brinkley, uh, one of the most beautiful women in the history of the world, no doubt. So, Billy Joel, good on you, even though it didn't last forever. Number two, and the author tells me, because I asked him, the guy that asked me, he said, Steve, can you do a top ten? I asked him, I said, hey, give me your best one. This was his number one. It's a matter of trust. That was a huge MTV hit, too, that really kind of introduced Billy Joel into a younger generation. It was a huge, huge song. Um, but yeah, Matter of Trust is a cool song, even without the MTV video. It was just one of those things that uh, it just kind of hits you in the right spot. But number one for me, going back a few years into the Billy Joel catalog, is it's still rock and roll. Great tune, kind of celebrating music. That's the one for me. And so if you're interested in submitting your own top 10 list, it doesn't have to be music. You know, I've had some people reach out and, and give me some great ideas that I've got to think about. I like the ones I don't have to think about, but sometimes I, I do. There's one that I'm, I'm kind of contemplating. said, Steve, give me your uh, top 10 songs for inspiration. And um, there are a bunch of those, but I want to take my time with it because I want to turn you on to some new tunes, but I don't want things to be so obscure that perhaps that you're turned off by the list. Speaking of new stuff, I, somebody recently just turned me on to, uh, to Corey Marks. And the song Outlaws and Outsiders. And I have like listened to that like nonstop for like the last 24 hours. It's got Corey Marks, who is a Canadian country singer, which is kind of interesting to me. It's kind of like, you know, we got southern music across the northern border, which is kind of weird. But he's, he's legit. He's good. And then it's got uh, Ivan Moody from Five Finger Death Punch and Travis Tritt, the country music legend. And then it's got Mick Mars from Motley Crue that plays the guitar solo. And I'm thinking, you know what, this, this really works. This works for me because I am, I am both an outlaw and an outsider. And so the lyrics are great. I think it's a cool tune. If you don't know it, go check it out. It is, uh, it's one of those outlaw country kind of crossover tunes. If you hadn't heard, it came out late last year, probably, I don't know, 10 months old now. So I'm a little, I'm a little late. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo, get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. 
It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let Nerd Wallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. To the party, but now that I'm here, uh, we're going to dance. All right, so let's move on. Hawthorne, they're still with us, just so you guys know. I was mistaken. Glad to know that Hawthorne is renewed, which means that your promo code still works. Visit them at hawthorne.co, that's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, and order yourself some cologne. Nobody's ever told you how to order cologne. They just say, hey, listen, look at this ad. There's this dude that doesn't look anything like you with this hot woman you'll never get, so go buy our product, and uh, you'll be cool too. But that's not true. You need to find something that works with you in your own biochemistry. So let me encourage you to go to hawthorne.co. Again, it's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Take the short two-minute quiz. You're going to fill out some very easy questions. It's kind of like, okay, when you're at a bar, this is what you order. When you order food, this is what you order. And so it kind of pairs you up with products based on your own tastes and preferences. It is so easy. It's so perfect. I wear my Hawthorne cologne every day, whether I'm going anywhere or not. I wear it during the quarantine. Just because of this, I I want to look good and smell good for myself. I don't spend all my time hanging around here in boxers and shirtless. I still get dressed every day, and you never know when somebody's going to stop by. You never know when I'm at to pick up and go somewhere. And so you're going to love this cologne so much, you're going to feel the same way. It's not just going to be a special occasion type event. You're going to want to wear this every day. It's going to come part of your identity. You can also get all kind of other men's health care products. You can get shampoo and conditioner. You can get body wash. You can get lotion. Uh, you can get just about anything that you need right there at hawthorne.co go check it out h-a-w-t-h-o-r-n-e.co and use promo code boneyard to unlock some savings for yourself okay let's get into a little bit of recruiting here there uh there are still you know it's a handful of spots and i, I shared a couple of days ago that uh you know 
things are going to slow down a little bit because now we're uh, we're all into football mode right now. There are usually not a lot of in-season commitments. You know, typically, that's the rule of thumb. There will be some, but by and large, you either make your decision before the season or after the season. Sometimes guys will take unofficial visits and go ahead and do it, and that's newsworthy because it's kind of not it's not the norm. Usually once these guys get into their senior seasons, they're kind of focused on the next opponent. They're focused on their academics. It's one thing when you're sitting around all day every day during the summer and you go live for a couple hours, and then you've got time to sit there and DM back and forth to talk to coaches. But now all of a sudden, you know, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're back in the hallways where we've got homework to do, we've got study hall to do. And so that becomes the focus. On the other side of the coin, you know, your coach is a lot busier too because they're trying to keep jobs. They're trying to win ball games. Because at the end of the day, and, and listen, I've worked in this industry for, for over 20 years now, but it's one of those things, you know, sometimes the sideshow kind of becomes the main show in the eyes of some. But the whole purpose of recruiting is to win college football games. It's not to win recruiting rankings. It's not to win on signing day and to win a press conference. It's about winning on game day. And we, we, we have spent a lot of time and effort at times, you know, to say, hey, this kid's going to be great, this kid's going to be great, and then all of a sudden they get injured or they don't develop or whatever. And so recruiting is part of a bigger picture, and that is to win football games. And so – when your coaches right now, they're still recruiting. They're still out there in contact with, with prospects, and there's, there's less hours in the day to do it with because their days are so full now because they're interacting with the team. They're having practice. They've got uh, staff meetings. They've got film review. I mean, their days are exceptionally full. And then on top of that, as I mentioned earlier in the show, September 1st means now you can uh, start DMing with 2022 kids. Well, while those 2021 kids are kind of uh, tiring of the process a little bit, their interest in being recruited is waning some. Well, now all of a sudden you got these 2022 kids, you know, they've been waiting for their turn, so they're eager to go. So now all of a sudden you got something else on the plate. So now you've got football and your current crop of kids you're recruiting, and now you've added another group in there. And those guys are going to be blowing you up. Those guys are going to be saying, hey, coach, I, I want an offer. Hey, coach, I'd like to commit. You know, and so those things happen. And uh, that's why it's so important that there's a calendar for this stuff. If not, it would be the absolute wild, wild west. And in some parts of the state, it is at times. Uh, but be that as it may, it's a never-ending process. It is never-ending. The, the whole joke is recruiting's like shaving. If you don't do it every day, you end up looking like a bum. Uh, that's true to some respects, and there are some people that are better th- at this than others. But state right now, uh, looking at about eight more kids, and uh, the numbers really haven't changed. We're still looking to add three more offensive linemen, and that pretty much does it on offense. You go get two defensive linemen, you get a linebacker, you get a corner, you get a safety, you're done. That's the group. That's what we're down to. And offensive line recruiting continues to evolve. I went and saw Eli Ritchie here a couple weeks ago. thought he was pretty good. thought he was pretty good. thought he had a lot to work with. I, I, did, I wasn't just blown away by him, though. Uh, I, I think he is definitely a developmental kid, and I think that he uh, – you, know, you can't fault him for the competition with which he plays against. But, uh, you know, he plays in the Alabama Independent School Association, and there are not a lot of guys out there that are going to be able to match up with him one-on-one. Uh, but I can't say that, you know, that he's a guy that I would you know, want to take right now. I think since we're in the season, 
and you basically got to live for three months to figure this thing out unless they move the date back, uh, you've got an opportunity now. To, you, you can go fish a little bit. You don't have to be in a big hurry to go take that guy. And it seems like sometimes in the summertime you think, oh, I want to get these guys in the boat before uh, before the season starts because once that senior film gets out there, then all of a sudden they've got new options and new offers and there's a lot more to contend with. But uh, I think Richie is a guy that's probably a follow-for-noun guy. That's just my personal opinion. I, I don't think right now that I would push to take him. I, I think when you've got three spots left, you've got two guys in, you've got to continue to – uh, you got McKaylin Pounders and you got Gabe Cavazos. You feel good about those guys, but you got to continue to recruit those guys too. You can't take them for granted. But the bulk of you, know, you look, we got eight spots left to fill, and nearly half of them are going to be for offensive linemen. And there's a lot of names out there. There are a lot of guys out there because you know what's going to happen. November, there's going to be a coaching change, or there's going to be some change in philosophy, and there are going to be some kids that will want to take and we wish we'd had scholarship offers. And that's one of those things that shows uh, that uh, you've got you got to know what you're doing. You got to have a plan. But there has to be, you know, some ebb and flow in that plan to be able to adjust as, uh, as prospects become available. But if you wait too long to do it, you get stuck with guys that perhaps aren't SEC quality. It's very much a balancing act, very much. And so that's where we are on offensive line recruiting. Now, Devin Lee is a guy that uh, recently picked up a crystal ball from Vanderbilt. Devin Lee, of course, a defensive tackle. He'll be a true three-tech, I think, when it's all said and done. Uh, but he's a guy that, uh, considering Duke and Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, NC State, a couple others, uh, he's a guy very very big on academics, comes from a family that really stresses academics, and that's going to be a big part of his decision. And that's one of the things that I think kind of opens this thing up a bit. You know, if you just look at it from a football standpoint, you would say, well, I mean, you you got to go play, you know, Mississippi State or NC State. You know, you, those, those are the right, that's the right way to go. But when you begin to think about the academic aspect of it and not to, to, to diminish the quality of the education you get here at Mississippi State University, but there are a lot of people that see those universities like Duke and Vanderbilt in a much more favorable light uh, from an academic perspective. And so when you have those guys that, are, that really kind of trend more towards academia, it is a level playing field in many respects for schools like Duke and Vanderbilt because they can offer that. So you know what? You're going to play in one of the best conferences in America, and you're going to get a better education here. And so that's part of the balancing act with Devin Lee is kind of figuring this thing out. Where is the currency with him? Is it early playing time? Is it a relationship with the uh, position coach? Is it his projected major? You know, that's what the whole recruiting process is. It's like dating. You kind of figure out, you know, Everybody's got some some strengths and weaknesses. You just got to figure out the ones you can live with, uh, and those are the people you go court and try to get to be a part of your life. So Devin Lee's a guy that's very much in the mix, but he's not the only guy. And there's not a lot of defensive tackle names that we're kind of aware of right now. But there's only going to be one in a class. You feel good about what you've got in Trevon Marshall, but you got to go get another defensive end. And State is still offering new defensive ends. Still seeing that happen as as late as this week, and so. When that happens, people begin to say, well, Steve, what does that mean for Ty Cooper? Does that mean that, that we're going to lose him to Ole Miss? That's not what it means. It means that you're out there doing your due diligence and trying to get the best players available for your, for your team. Because you put all your eggs in one player's basket, and then you lose them, and then you're stuck having to, uh, you know, to kind of scurry around and find other options. That's just not good recruiting. You know, I, I've heard it said before, you probably need to recruit about 10 guys for every spot you plan to fill. And then as you get a little closer, you narrow that field down to around four or five guys you're willing to take that have uh, you know some semblance of return interest. 
And those are the guys you kind of recruit. You know, you keep those other five warm just in case you got to go back on them. You don't stop recruiting them. That's one of the things that's so funny, too. There's some people that cover recruiting. They don't know recruiting. You don't just stop recruiting when you get a commitment from some other kids because you have to continue to have relationships. It doesn't mean that you that you uh, don't love the kid you got, but you got to continue to talk to other players at that position should something change. Because, again, it's about winning football games. And so if you lose, you know, an A.J. Brown, you better be able to replace him with a guy of comparable ability. It doesn't, you can't go out there and say, okay, we've got our kid, so let's stop recruiting everybody else. Because the casual fan would say, but Steve, we've already got – you know, this kid's already on board. We're not being loyal to him. It's got nothing to do with being loyal to him. It's got to be loyal to the program and loyal to the team. you got to make sure you get the best 25 every year. And so if, if one of these kids is going to flip on us, we better be able to, to fill that gap with a player of, of comparable ability. And that's why you continue to recruit kids that you don't plan to commit. It's a security blanket. you got to make sure you do that. And it's like, it's like the Antonio Harmon thing. It's like I see these people that, that seem to think they know so much more than the rest of us sending Mississippi State's all over Antonio Harmon. Yeah, we're continuing to recruit him, but we've got four receivers right now. We don't have room for another receiver unless Deion Smith wants to come. You make room for him, but you recruit Antonio Harmon because what happens if one of our kids flips? What happens if LSU comes in late on Malik Neighbors and he flips to LSU? Well, you can't just restart a relationship. You can't go back and say, listen, hey, Antonio, listen, I know we haven't texted you in three months, but do you want to be a Mississippi State Bulldog? That's not how life works. While you don't push that kid for a commitment, you continue to maintain some level of communication with him. You continue to maintain a relationship. And so when the time comes, or if the time comes, that you've got to make a move, you've already got a relationship. It's just a matter of saying, hey, listen, I've been advocating for you the whole time. We finally got you taken care of. You know, when Jeremy Pruitt was at, was at Alabama, when he was an assistant coach, I guess it was the first time through, and he recruited at Mississippi Gulf Coast, I thought he did as good a job of anybody at slow playing those kids and making them think that, you know what, Coach Pruitt's got my back. Coach Pruitt is out there advocating Nick Saban for me. And every one of those kids still thought that they were just one recruiting meeting away from getting an offer from Alabama because of the way Jeremy Pruitt recruited because that's how he handled business. He would say, hey, listen, listen, next week, not this week, but next week, we're going to sit down as a staff and we're going to watch your film. And, you know, a lot of that was, was probably somewhat disingenuous. They may have watched his film, but it's slow playing the kid to kind of keep him engaged with you and to prevent him from committing to somebody else. And so I thought Pruitt did a masterful job when he was a recruiter for Alabama. And so what happens late? Well, when it seems like your kids are going to hold, well, then all of a sudden you come back and say, man, I just can't get, I can't get, the, I can't get this guy to sign off on the offer. You know, uh, I like you, and I think Coach Saban likes you. But, uh, you know, position coach, we're still talking, man. There's another kid that he likes. You're behind one more kid, and I like you better than him. And so we're going to see what he does. And if he ends up going to Georgia, then you got the offer, you know. And so there's always those type of stories that take place, and they're loosely rooted in fact. But it's part of the recruiting process. There is so much that happens in recruiting that it's disingenuous, and you got to understand that. 
It's part of the game. It's part of the process. You get out there and you start being too honest with kids, the next thing you know, they're also going somewhere else. It's part of the dance. It's not saying you're being dishonest, but they're just a part of this. You've got to keep kids engaged. And you don't, you, know, you don't get out there and push for a commitment for a kid you don't want to take. But you've got to maintain some semblance of a relationship throughout this process. And I don't know why it's difficult for people to understand. It's not like once we had four receivers committed that we just said, okay, guys, you don't have to talk to any other receivers. That's just bad recruiting. It's just bad business. It's just stupid to think that way. That's not how the process works. That's not how we do things. That's not how anybody does things. There's just a lot of things about recruiting. Sometimes I look at this and I just think to myself, I don't know how these people get out of bed. I don't know how they make it through life each day without understanding how the world works. That's how recruiting works. You recruit a bunch of kids, and many times they're never going to be on your team. But you continue to recruit them because you have to make sure that you have proper relationships with guys that could be on your team if you had to have them. It's crazy. I mean, how many kids we bring in on visits every year to go somewhere else? Some of that's our decision. You know, it's like I think about uh, Khalil Benson last year from South Haven. You know, Khalil Benson comes in. You remember he was former Ole Miss commitment, and the new staff at Ole Miss dropped him. Thought he was a borderline SEC guy. Thought he's probably a guard. But uh, this is a guy a lot of people thought, you know what, once he took his official visit to Mississippi State, that he was going to go ahead and flip or go ahead and commit to Mississippi State and then stayed in pushing for a commitment. People are like, well, wait a minute, Steve. Didn't you say that State was going to get him? I did. But you learned some things in hindsight, and you find out later that, uh, yeah, the kid came up there, and it, it wasn't a good visit, and it wasn't on our behalf. It just as a kid that came up there, and, you know, it just it just didn't seem like his heart was in it. And uh, as a kid that kind of second-guessed himself a, little self, himself a little bit and said, you know what, I don't know if I can play here. And you know what? If you don't think you can, you can't. There's two kinds of people in the world, those who think they're going to make it and those who think they won't. The funny thing is they're both right. And so those are things that happen. You bring guys in, you feel them out, and sometimes you don't have a chance to really get to know guys until you spend a couple days with them. I mean – I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, you look around the country today and just most most of dating is done online. And I'm I'm curious to see what that does to the divorce rate in the years ahead. But uh, be that as it may, it's the same thing. You don't truly get to know somebody until you spend a couple of days with them. It's one thing to get people in small doses and be able to communicate back and forth because people put their best foot forward, right? I mean, you don't, you don't post pictures on social media of yourself that are unflattering. Now, your friends might. Your friends might post unflattering pictures of you. you got to go and tag yourself. But it's kind of the same thing with recruiting, especially now, especially with this quarantine stuff and this, this prohibition on face-to-face recruiting. It's basically online dating. And there are a lot of schools out there that are going to get catfished. They're going to get some filtered version of some kid out there that they think is great and the next big thing. And then when they get them on campus, they're going to realize, you know what, this guy's a turd. It's going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen to Mississippi State, but it's going to happen. And I've, I've said many times there are going to be more busts in this class than probably any that we've seen in the modern era. You got to think the transfer portal's going to get full here in a couple of years. There's going to be a lot of guys out there that uh, have made uninformed decisions based on, uh, you know, chasing the bright lights of, uh, of other people's accomplishments and things of that nature. But with limited resources and limited evaluation time, 
you're going to have uh, a lot of kids out there that uh, their reaches that find their way onto Power 5 rosters that aren't going to be able to compete. And then by the same token, you're going to have some guys that would probably Power 5 guys find themselves on a G5 roster because of the fact that uh, they, get, you know, they didn't get a chance to prove themselves. They didn't get a chance to go to summer camp. They didn't get a spring evaluation. And so I think all that's important. I think everybody needs to kind of prepare for some of that. But I hope it's not Mississippi State getting catfished by all those uh, filtered Instagram pictures, those Instagram, uh, you know, superstars. Speaking of superstars, Campus Bookmart, superstars in Starkville have been for a long time. Stand a man, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole, the whole crew there will take care of you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. If you're a commuter student, you can even park in their, their back parking lot for free. Walk to campus. That's how much they care about Mississippi State students. You go do it. Take advantage of that. It's a great benefit. And also go get your textbooks at Campus Bookmart. Go get all your gear. Get your game day gear at Campus Bookmart. And if you're not a student, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, you get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks by using promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. If you don't have an order at least $50, you're probably wasting your time. Go ahead and do some more shopping. Get those Mississippi State masks for you and those around you. If you got to wear one, you might as well wear a cool one, right? Get yourself a Mississippi State mask at campusbookmart.net today. All right, let's get into a couple more things before we get out of here. We had a media opportunity last night. Had a chance to hear from Coach Tony Hughes. You can read a transcription of that interview and see a video on jeanspage.com right now for free. You don't have to be a subscriber. You darn well should be. But if you're not, you can watch that video for free. You can read it, the transcription. I know some people prefer video. Some people prefer to read. Perhaps you can't watch a video at work. You just kind of kind of read it. Tony Hughes was exceptional, and he always is, but he spoke at length about, you know, what it was like to come up in the coaching profession as a black man in Mississippi. And I know sometimes when you hear that phrase, people think, Steve, I'm so tired of all that. You know, Tony was asked a question, and I thought his answer was perfect. I think Tony Hughes is one of the best human beings that I have ever known. Forget the football coaching aspect of it. He's a great coach, but let's just set that aside. Uh, when I got ready to get into this profession full-time, uh, Tony Hughes, I called and talked to him. I said, Tony, here's what I'm thinking about doing. And Tony Hughes stopped what he was doing and prayed for me right there over the phone. Prayed for my finances, prayed for my family, prayed for my travel, prayed that uh, the good Lord would remove my anxiety about the move and give me peace and comfort because I was, I was leaving a very good situation. I was doing both. I was working for... For Fox Sports part time, and uh, you know, working for another company full time, and uh, I'm a workaholic anyway, so that that made for uh, for good copy for me. I was constantly working, but I just felt like you know what I owed it to myself to give this writing thing a, a full chance. I needed to give it my undivided attention, and so when I had the opportunity uh, to get a full time contract with Fox Sports and with Scout.com, uh, I took a big pay cut. I did. It's worked out for me. But at the time, you know, there's a lot of anxiety with all that. I mean, you begin to think about your own quality of life. And, you know, it's like, hey, when I get to the end of the month now, I don't have a lot of money left over. You know, so we're going to have to make some changes. And there are a lot of months we were paycheck to paycheck. I mean, I had four kids. And so it was difficult. 
And so despite the fact that I had four kids at home, I took a pay cut to do this. Wasn't doing podcasting yet. Wasn't doing writing books yet. I was just writing three or four recruiting articles a day, writing about 100 a month. And Tony Hughes would routinely call and check on me. When I would see him, he would come up to me and say, hey, what can I pray for you about? Because that's the quality of person Tony Hughes is. Tony Hughes loves people. And everybody loves Tony. I have never heard anybody say a negative thing about, about Tony Hughes. Now, when he was at Ole Miss and recruiting against us, I heard some of the Mississippi State coaches complaining about him because he was so good at what he did. But Tony Hughes, I thought, hit a grand slam last night when he just kind of talked about when he when – he, he said there were some times when he was a coach that he was the only African-American on staff. And he said, rather than look at that you know, as a negative, he said, you know what, maybe I can be an inspiration to this next generation of coaches. And you know what he has been. He has been. And I am so pleased that Tony Hughes – that's my alarm going off there. I've been up so long. I am so pleased Tony Hughes is a part of the Mississippi State family, and I hope he is until he retires. It's one of the saddest days, I think, in the Dan Mullen era is when uh, watching Tony Hughes go out there and tell the team uh, that he was taking a head coaching job at Jackson State. I don't fault Tony for that. I think at some point every coach aspires to be a head coach, and he felt like he was running out of time. And said, you know, if I don't do it now, I'll never get the opportunity. And you know what? He did go do it, and then he's back. And Mississippi State kind of fits his values. You know, Jay Hughes, I love Jay Hughes. I still, I still love Jay. Jay was a great bulldog. Jay was part of a golden era of Mississippi State. Uh, and I th- that's one of the things, too, I think is really cool that Tony and Jay got to share that experience together. It's wonderful. But when you want to talk about people that understand, you know, civil rights, you want people that understand Mississippi, you want people to understand young people today. You want people to understand uh, humble beginnings. You go listen to Tony Hughes. You know, at some point, most of us in Mississippi have had to do without. Tony Hughes had to do without a whole lot. And he's never been a guy that says, you know, that's ever bragged about what he's had or anything like that. You know, I, I don't think Tony is a wealthy person, but I'm sure Tony's been, uh, been good with his money. But, uh, you know, Tony's a guy that's been in the coaching profession a long time. He is exactly who you want addressing your young people he is exactly who you want representing your brand tony hughes is one of those people when you when you hear him speak and you get you know when you walk away you feel better you feel warmer about life no matter what's going on in my life when i see tony hughes and he always smiles and kind of tilts his head and everything he's always so glad to see you and he shakes my hand and he pats me on the shoulder and he does that with everybody because it's not an act it's who he is and so when I think about this difficult thing that we've gone through here, you know, the past year or so, and there's been so many things. You've had the coaching change. You've had the quarantine. Uh, you've had the civil unrest and things like that that have happened. I have been so grateful that Tony Hughes has been on our side, on our side, because there are times that I struggle for the words myself. But Tony Hughes always seems to know what to say, and I think a lot of it's because of his faith. But I think also, also too, it's a real appreciation from where he's come from. Grew up in Forest, Mississippi. Uh, said last night there were times in his life he didn't have running water, didn't have power. And so some of our Mississippi kids, you know, they've lived a similar story. And then they can look at a guy like Tony Hughes and say, man, look at Coach Hughes. You know, he, he lived the same story that I did. And look at what he's done with his life. Look how happy he is. That's the thing, too. That that's a true measure of success to me. It's not financial. It's not possessions. 
It's how happy are you in your, are you in your skin? Because I can tell you that some of the years that I've made the most money, I've been the most miserable. Because I've had to give so much of myself to, to achieve that, I couldn't enjoy that. And when I see Tony Hughes walking around and I see him talking to our players and interacting with our coaches, I think to myself, I aspire to be that happy. I don't know what the rest of my life holds for me, but that is a goal for me. And and listen, I'm a guy that for the most part has had uh, a lot more good days than bad. I've had some trauma in my life, but but when I see Tony, it makes me realize that I've got some work to do. That There are things within myself and in my life that I have to address because I want to have that same level of peace. And so I think about what a resource he is, not only for our coaches on the recruiting trail, but for our young men as they become men, which is a very difficult process. At least it was for me. And for many of these guys, they have not had a lot of guys that have patterned good behavior for them. And I'm not being judgmental here. I'm, just, I'm, I'm giving you the reality of the situation. There are a lot of these young people that their coaches, their high school coaches, their club coaches, their college coaches, they are the people that, that teach these guys how to be men because a lot of them haven't had a lot of male role models in their lives. I don't know that you could find a better one than Tony Hughes. So I'm encourage you to go watch that video, go read the transcript, and it's going to inspire you. I really believe that it will. I, th- I think if you, want, if you want something to feel good about today, Go listen to Tony Hughes' words. Go do it. Again, it's on the on Jeans page right now. Tony Hughes, post-practice Q&A, written by Mike Nemeth. And when, when we're asking the questions, and we, we talked a little bit about football and that sort of stuff, and then towards the end, he's got some questions about hey, some other things that are kind of bigger than football. And the bigger the questions got, the bigger the answers got. You know, there are some people, when they get those questions that make you a little bit uncomfortable, they kind of shy away from the moment. But not Tony. I thought Tony answered it beautifully. And I thought he said it in such a way that everybody could, could read or listen to that answer and say, you know what? There's something special with this man. And it's so special that Mississippi State has him. So let me encourage you to go do that. Go check it out today. Uh, you can also see uh, that Jaden Crumberty story a little bit later today. And then we'll have a Kobe Jones story. Kobe Jones kind of becoming the, uh, the biggest vocal leader of the defense, I think. It's eager to see what I'm eager to see what he's going to do with more snaps this year. He'll have a lot more snaps this year, a lot more responsibility. Can't just come in and be a reserve guy and you know play hard for 20 snaps. I mean, you're going to have to go a lot longer. I'm eager to see what he does. I, th- I think he's up for the challenge. I'm a Kobe Jones fan. I always have been. I remember when he was a junior in high school. Some people told me he said, "You know, he kind of takes some plays off." And then I'd go film him. I was like, "I don't know what plays he's taking off." Kid's always on the field. Well, so you tell me what plays he's taking off. It's taken a little while for him to get going, but um, you know, I, I still remember what he did uh, to Lamar Jackson there in Jacksonville. So uh, took Kobe's time is coming, and uh, excited for him, excited for Mississippi State. Uh, we, we spoke with Jaden Crumberty, of course, and uh, a lot of people said, well, Steve, where does that – him and Nathan Pickering, uh, they're both going to play a lot, okay, and uh, be prepared for that. Both are going to play a lot. But, uh, you know, there's been – Crumberty's names have mentioned a lot more as of late. But uh, it's good to have those options because defensive line is something we've always felt pretty good about. And uh, we've got, we got some interesting pieces out there, and so we'll see how things develop. All right, so we're back on Friday. Let me encourage if you hadn't done so. If you love me, and you certainly should, you need to go to alphadogsthebook.com and order yourself some books. I'll personalize them whatever you want. 
Uh, thank all you guys who have been on the Facebook Live show that have gone out and bought the books. Uh, you can get Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs right there at alphadogsbook.com. You go check it out, whatever you want. If you need to get caught up, you can go get one of those other books. I'm happy to sign them for you. Uh, but if you love me, you'll do that for me. Alphadogsthebook.com be uh, released later this month. It's here, and I feel like it's been forever because I devoted so much time during the quarantine. Uh, that was my life basically every day for months and months and months. And uh, now, now I'm ready to kind of enjoy the fruits of that labor. And so looking forward to you guys enjoying some great stories about Mississippi State. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you can find it at StarkVillains.com. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.